The following message is brought to you by New Song Church and Pastor Joshua Blunt in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. For more information on New Song, visit us online at newsongpeople.com. Bible, go ahead and open up to Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12. We're in a series right now called Battles, and we're talking, we've been talking about the battles of life, that we are in a fight, and, uh, and in this fight we have an enemy, and the enemy is the devil, and he hates you. He's real. The Bible makes it really clear. Jesus talked about him. He wants to steal, kill, and destroy you. He's dead set on that. He has tactics and demons and strategies to do that. The good news is we have an ally. His name is Jesus. And he, did, he doesn't just fight for us. He already won the fight for us. He won the battle. And, and so we can walk in victory and we can win in these battles. But in order to do that, we have to do things God's way. And so we've been, what we've been talking about is inviting, inviting Jesus, inviting God into the battles of our life, what it takes to do that. It's been a really good series so far. And today I want to talk to you about an area of our life that I think some of us really struggle when it comes to inviting God into this battle. Some of you may not even recognize so we get into this, that this really is a battle for you, but it, it, it is a battle. Now, to set this up, I have a question for you this morning, okay? Here's the question. When you're driving a car, what is more important, the gas pedal or the brake pedal? Now, don't answer. Just think about it for a moment. Which pedal do you think is more important? Well, I have an answer for you, and here's the answer. They both are important, Right? Like if you get in a car and all you have is a gas pedal, it's great that you can get to trucking down the road at 75, 80 miles an hour, but how do you know you don't have a, a brake, at some point it's going to get interesting, isn't it? And, and if you have a car and you get in it and all you have is a brake, you're not going to go anywhere. You're going to be just right where you are. And so if we're going to get to where it is that we're wanting to go, we have to understand how to, how to work the balance between the gas pedal and the brake pedal. You guys tracking with me so far? So here, here's why I say that. In God's economic cycle, there is a gas pedal and there is a brake pedal. There is a go mandate or a work mandate, and there, but there is also a stop work mandate or a rest mandate. And one of the things I see is in the life of believers, we don't really understand how to walk in balance when it comes to these things. And because we don't, we find ourselves getting into some real messes. We find ourselves struggling because here's the thing, we, we, the, the world and the pace of this world will drive you and wear you out if you're not careful. When, when I was in eighth grade one day, I was sitting at the uh, lunchroom cafeteria and I was just minding my own business, you know, doing my thing, eating my probably a chili dog because about 90% of the time in junior high, that's what I was eating at lunch. And my basketball coach came up to me and he said, hey, Josh, uh, which by the way, my basketball coach was also the track coach at the school. And he comes up to me and he says, hey, Josh, I got a couple of boys that are ineligible this week. I was wanting to see if maybe you could run in this track meet on Thursday during school, which means you're going to have to miss some school. And I said, coach, hold on. You got me. I have to miss school, Okay. And say no more. I'm in. I don't care what I have to do. If I can miss school, I'm down. Okay, so so I I, I I jumped in, and so Thursday rolls around, and I'm getting on the bus and heading to this track meet. And the coach stands up and he says, "Hey, I need somebody. I need one of you boys. I got no boys in the 1600 meter race. I need somebody to run the 1600." Now understand this: I've never run track a day in my life. I have no idea what 
1,600 meters means. Like the only running I'd ever done, like racing kind of running, is like running sprints at basketball or football or racing my dad to the car in the Casa Bonita parking lot. Like I don't, I don't have any idea what this means. So no one is raising their hand. So I thought, well, I guess I'll do it. So I lifted up my hand and said, yeah, I'll do it. And so the coach was like, okay, great, Josh, I'll put you down for that. So I'm sitting there on the bus and I turn to my friend beside me and I'm like, hey man, what's this 1600 meter race here? And he's like, well, it's, it's, it's four times around the track. It's a mile. Now under, in eighth grade, I thought I could run through a brick wall. Like that didn't phase me at all. Like I got to run a mile. Fine. I can run a mile all day. I got this. And so I get to this track meet and if you've ever been to track meets, they take a long time. And if you're not really, and since I was just kind of a sub, I wasn't real involved that day. I only had a few things that I was participating in. So I found myself a lot of the day just kind of hanging out. And because I was bored, I kept going to the concession stand. <laughs> and I kept getting Dr. Peppers and Skittles. <laughs> and so I was loading up, getting ready for the race. And so finally, it was time for this race. And I remember lining up with all these other boys. And I remember looking around and thinking, dude, I got this. This is going to be easy. Like one of the boys had on these super short shorts. And this is like, you know, not cool, right? Like, and so I'm thinking, dude, that guy, I don't know what he's doing. So I'm thinking, I got this. This is going to be easy. And I'm thinking through my strategy. And here's my strategy. Okay, I'm going to start. I'm going to start the race. I'm going to run fast. And then in the middle of the race, I'm going to run fast. And I'm going to end the race running fast. My point is I have no strategy whatsoever. I am just going to run as hard as I can from the get-go and hope for the best in this, which is a terrible strategy, by the way. So the, the gun goes off, we start running, and I just do my thing. I sprint out to the front, and I'm just clipping around the track, and I get ahead of everybody, and I'm putting this distance between me and everybody else, and I'm thinking, dude, I have found my calling. I am gift. I'm blowing these suckers away. This is incredible. Look at how far elite, and I'm, the first lap, I'm feeling good. And then the second lap hits, and the Skittles hit, and the Dr. Peppers start to hit. And all of a sudden, I'm getting this cramp in my side, and my legs are starting to feel tired, and my lungs are starting to burn, and my pace is starting to slow. And now this once huge, what I thought was insurmountable lead is getting, is getting more and more distance. That distance is going away. And then finally, a guy passes me. And when he passes me, I'm like, it kind of ticks me off. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to dig deep. I'm going to get back in. And so I dig deep for about five seconds because I'm done. I'm, I'm completely spent two and a half laps into this thing. And, and I, I kid you not, by the end of that race, I came in second to last place in that race. I finished it, which is the only reason I came in second to last. Because the kid that came in last, he, he bailed out. But I, I did finish it. But I did terrible, horrible. Why? Because I had no idea how to run this race. I had no idea what I was doing. I didn't know how to prepare for it. I didn't know how to run it. I didn't have a strategy. I, I, and I didn't understand pace, so I wore myself out. Now, why am I saying that? Well, Hebrews 12 tells us that we're in a race. Hebrews 12, if you look at this with me, he says this in verse 1. It says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith. This is talking about all the people who have gone before us. The people that we can look at in the church world today that have been successful. The people that we can look at from, from the Bible and, and see their stories. The Abrahams, the different people who, who ran good races and had some success. They weren't perfect, but they, they ran a good race. We can look at this crowd of witnesses. It says this, let us strip off every weight that slows us down. You know, if you're going to run a race, you, gotta kinda, you can't be running a race with a bunch of weight on you. 
you got to strip down. Like, you got to put on the short shorts. Like that one kid who won the race, by the way, wearing the short shorts. That must have been it, right? But no, you got to strip down. you got to get, you got to get all this weight off of you. It goes on to say this. It says, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. We, we get that, right? Sin will trip you up. You're running a race. It'll, it'll trip you up. It'll make you fall. It'll, it'll mess up this race. Now look at what it says next. And let us run. Notice these words. With endurance. Everybody say, with endurance. endurance. Say it like you mean it. With endurance. endurance. Run the race. With endurance, God has set before us. Listen, my friends, you are in a race. We're in a race, and it's not a sprint. It is a lifelong race. Just like we're in a lifelong battle, you're in a lifelong race. And if you're going to run this race and win and run it with endurance and be successful and not fail, you're going to have to learn and understand how to pace yourself so that you can run to win. It's not a sprint. It's not a put the, put the pedal to the metal. It's not, no, no, you got to understand this pace thing. And one of the great things that I, I see in the world today, the enemy, one of the ways he attacks us is he, he wants to wipe us out by wearing us out. He wants to get you, drive you at a slave oppressor's pace and wear you out and drive you into the ground and get you to, to bail out and quit and fail in this race. And what, well, that's what we're seeing all around us. We see people who, who fall for sin. We see people who are bailing out of marriages. We see people who are wearing out of their callings. Why? Because they don't understand how to pace themselves for this race. And so they allow the things of this world to drive them and it, and it wears them out. Because listen, listen, this isn't rocket science. This isn't news you don't know, but it's really true. Life is busy, right? Turn to the person beside you and say, life is busy. We're busy. We got a lot going on. We got a lot of things happening. And as a pastor, I can tell you from my, from my experience, I, I talk to people, I counsel people, I meet with people. And one of the major things that comes up all the time is we get so busy. We get so caught up in this rat race and in the pace of the world around us and trying to keep up with what's going on and, and keep up with the Joneses and keep up with this and that. And we're driving ourselves that we're missing out on some of the truth and the rest that God wants us to walk in. We're missing out on relationships that he's called us to. You know, I, I think in marriage, think about this. In your marriage relationship, it's hard for you to have an intimate relationship with your spouse if all you're ever doing is, is flying by each other trying to fulfill your schedules. Like in, in a relationship, in an intimate relationship, you've got to understand, you've got to slow down. Intimacy in relationship never happens fast. Like fast is good in some areas, but fast is never good in your intimate relationships, whatever area of that relationship we're talking about. <laughs> you guys are tracking with me. The goal is not to finish first. No, no, no. We need endurance, right? Praise God. You guys got a lot, you did a lot better on that than the first service. They were struggling. But I, I've seen this in, in, in my relationship with, with Sarah. When we get so caught up in the pace of life, <laughs> hey, get your mind out of the gutter, church. <laughs> when, when, I, when we get so caught up in the pace of life all around us and schedules and things like that, we, we start to get off. And, and one of the things we have to do is we have to have some time where we, we pull away from that and we have unhindered, uh, unhurried conversation with each other. If you're going to have real intimate relationship with people, you got to slow down. Uh, you think about maybe your finances, the financial areas of your life. I think we make a lot of bad decisions 
in our finances because we get in a hurry. We get busy. In fact, I was reading this week that, um, that, that online retailers, they have a peak time of day that they try to sell to you. And that time of day is between 9 p.m. and 10 p.m. So here's what they do. At 8.55 p.m., they send out these little emails that say flash sale or great deal or whatever it may be. You know what I'm talking about. You get these emails. And, and what they're trying to do is they're trying to target this group of people that are worn out, that have been busy and been hitting it all day. And, and what they're trying to do is, is that person goes, man, you know, I've had a rough day today. I deserve this. I've been moving so quickly. I deserve something. And so we make these purchases that we later look back and go, why did I buy this? We never make good financial purchases when we're just rushing through and not doing our due diligence uh, relationships relationships are important we're called to be in relationships God remember at the beginning God established for us to be in relationships he looks at Adam he says it's not good for man to be alone we need other relationships in our life and yet one of the great excuses I hear all the time for people not connecting in relationships here at the church is I'm busy I got a lot going on pastor Josh I can't go to that tribe event I'm I'm busy I got, I got so much going on right now. I just, I can't do that. I can't go to the tea room bloom. I'm, I'm so busy right now. I got so much on my plate. I, I can't, I can't serve in a kid's class. I can't, I can't usher. I can't greet. I can't be in a small group. I can't do those things. I'm just too busy right now. And because we're so busy, we meet, we miss out on connections and relationships and ministry that God has called us to. We miss out. Why? Because we're busy. We're in a hurry. And because we're busy, we miss out on things and we run ourselves into the ground and we're burdened and we're not our best but I want you to know this morning God has a better plan for you and Jesus talked about this kind of rest this kind of experience we can have with him in Matthew 11 if you want to look at this with me Matthew 11 verse 28 it says this it says come to me all you who are weary and burdened and I will give you rest now here's my question do you think that that is a promise or that is a suggestion it's a promise it's the same as if somebody was to come to you and say, hey, if you come to me, I'm going to give you 10 bucks. Like once you make that statement and that person comes to you, you are obligated to fulfill what you said you would do or you're not a person of your word. So Jesus says, if you come to me, if you'll turn to me, then I will give you rest. You're weary, you're burdened, come to me, turn to me, and I'm going to give you real rest. And then he goes on to say this, verse 29, take my yoke upon you, and look at this, and learn from me. Learn from me. Now, in order to learn from somebody, there's two ways you can learn from somebody. You learn from somebody by uh, listening to what they say, and you learn from somebody by watching what they do. That's how you learn from any person you learn from. You listen to what they say and you watch what they do. So Jesus says here, he says, he says I've got rest for you if you'll turn to me. So, so listen to what I say. Look at what I'm saying. Look at the word of God. Look at what it has to say about this and watch my life. Watch the pattern of my life. See what I did and you'll learn how to do this. Now, if you start to look at the life of Jesus, something that you will discover is Jesus very often would pull away from everything going on around him. And he would pull away to have alone time, to get away, to rest with God. All the time in scripture. You say, Pastor Josh, that's great, but that's not the world we live in today. Like, uh, you know, for, maybe that was cool in ancient times, but we don't live in that kind of world. I, I can't do that. I've got a lot of things going on around me. I've got like real needs and real burdens and real issues going on around me. I can't, I can't do that. I'm sorry, I just can't do that. That's just not, that's not possible. To which I would say, well, do you think... Jesus maybe had some real burdens and some real issues going on around him. 
Look at Luke chapter 5. You got your Bible turned to Luke chapter 5. I'll show you this. Luke chapter 5. We see Jesus, and, and at this time in his life, he is, in, he is just now launching into his ministry, and his popularity is growing. He, he has just come out of the wilderness in Luke chapter 4. He's empowered by the Holy Spirit, and now he's going, out, he's going around. He's teaching. He's preaching. And, and look at what it says here. Luke chapter 5, verse 15. Yet the news about him spread all the more. So that crowds, everybody say crowds. Crowds of people came to hear him, and look at this, and be healed of their sicknesses. Okay, so, so Jesus is preaching, he's teaching, he's healing people, he's doing these incredible works, and people are hearing about it. And so now crowds of people, he's popular. People are coming to him because they want what he's got. He's got something that they need. And it says that people came to him needing healing. They had legitimate needs that, that they needed fulfilled. How I many you know, you get sick, no matter what it is. You get a cold, a sore throat. It doesn't have to be huge. You get sick, it affects you. It's a legitimate need of your life to get better, to get well. Imagine Jesus has people that are coming to him, and they, they have legitimate needs of, of healing. Imagine there's blind people that are coming to Jesus. Leopards that are coming to Jesus. People who are, are struggling. People who are dying. They're coming to Jesus. So this is like in the business world of today. This is people that are coming to you and they want what you got. They want your product. This does not seem like the time to close up shop and say, you know what? I'm going to take a break for a moment. No, no, no. We got to sell, sell, sell. No, no, no. But that's not what we see in Jesus. Look at the very next verse. Right after it says... What it says in Luke 15, it says, they they came to him and they needed healing of their sickness. It says in verse 16, but Jesus often withdrew to lonely places or to be alone and prayed. Here's what I want you to see. Jesus has all these legitimate needs in front of him. He's got people who want what he's got. And, and, And right there, he pulls away. It says he often pulls away. So it's, it's showing a pattern of what he was often doing. Pulls away to lonely places, to be alone with God. Why? Because Jesus understood something that we have got to understand. When God is present in our rest, when we make room for the Lord in the, and, and make a space where God can come and minister to us in the area of rest, he shows up there. And when he's present in our rest, he becomes more present in our work. He wants to come and help you. God wants to empower you for the work you have ahead of you, for the assignment you have ahead of you. But if you never pull away and allow him and and create a space for him to come and minister to you, you're you're not going to get that. Jesus made space. Jesus, the Son of God. And because he did this, look at what happens in the next verse. It goes on to say that after he does this, he comes back to this crowd. He comes back to this group of people. In the next verse, it says, verse 17, after he comes back, this same group of people, it says, and the power of the Lord was with Jesus to heal the sick. After he pulls away from the people, from the need to to go and spend some time with the Lord, now he has been empowered with what he needs to go back and fulfill the need in front of him. You guys tracking with me this morning? I know you got needs in front of you. I know you got legitimate things in front of you that, that need your, your care. What I'm saying is if you will pull away and spend some time with the Lord, he'll empower you to be able to take care of that stuff. And not from a place of weakness, but from a place of strength. When God is present in our rest, he becomes more present in our work. And I know this is a step of faith. That's why this is in a series called Battles. Because <laughs> we're talking about fights. 
This is, fight. this is in opposition to what the world has to say. This doesn't go with the, the way the world is. The world says work, 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 work. The world says keep going, keep, keep, keep working away. But if you're going to fulfill the work the way God's designed you to, you have to pull away and allow God to minister to you so you can come back to the work with his strength. Yesterday, I was cooking lunch for, for our family. And, uh, and it was the first time I had used this new knife that we got. We, uh, we, when we got married, me and Sarah got married, we received one of those blocks, those wooden blocks with all the knives in it. You guys know what I'm talking about? You maybe have one of those. We got that 15 years ago. And it was like $100. It wasn't a great set of knives at the time. And we have never sharpened it a day in our life since we got it. So a couple months ago, Sarah started dropping little hints to me about maybe wanting some new knives. And so I'm a good husband. So I got the hint. And I went out and I bought her a nice knife. Like I got her a, a really, really nice knife. And I hadn't used it till, till yesterday. And we, I was sitting down. I was making steak and potatoes and some corn and kind of getting this stuff ready. And I'm cutting these potatoes. And you could ask Sarah. She's sitting there working on some stuff, some bills and things like that for us. And I'm going, hun, this is incredible. Like this thing just goes right through the potato. I don't have to saw on it. I don't have to like put my back into it. I mean, it was crazy. I had no idea what I was missing until I had a really nice tool that was sharp and ready to do the work. It made the work so much easier. Now look at this verse with me. This is Ecclesiastes 10.10. says this, using a dull axe requires great strength. I love this next part. So sharpen the blade. (laughs) Sometimes there's Bible verses. It's just like, duh, right? That's the value. Now, look at this. That's the value of wisdom. We're talking about godly wisdom this morning, not worldly wisdom. We're talking about godly wisdom. That's the value of wisdom. It helps you succeed. If I was to tell you to go out to this little forest or whatever and uh, start chopping down trees, and I gave you an axe, and that axe was sharp, and you go out there and you're chopping away at those trees and you're knocking them down left and right, you know something's going to happen. Over time, as you keep chopping on those trees, something's going to happen. The axe is going to get dull. The more work you do, the more dull the axe is going to get. And this is where some of us find ourselves in life. Listen, life is kind of like chopping. We're chopping every day. We're chopping away at, at, at our work, and we're chopping away to get ahead, and we're chopping away to try to have a good business, and we're chopping away for success, and we're chopping away at our marriage to try to make it good, and we're chopping away to raise our kids, and we're chopping and chopping. And then as we do this, we start to get a little tired. Things are not going like they once were because we're wearing ourselves out. And, and what does the devil do at that moment? He says, hey, the problem is not with the tool. The problem is with you. You've got to work harder. You need to put in more hours. You need to put in more time. You've got to swing harder. You've got to put more energy into it. And so, and so that's we think but we understand if you're doing that if you're out there chopping down trees and it's now the tool is not working what do you need to do you need to stop the work pull away sharpen the tool and then you can come back with a sharp tool and get more done with less effort than you were before Are you guys follow me just like with that knife when i had a good tool man it was easy and God, listen, God wants to help you with your work. He wants to make it easy on you. He doesn't want you struggling. He doesn't want you fighting to try to just get ahead. He doesn't want to drive you at this pace the enemy wants to work at you with. I put this in your notes. The devil, here's how the devil works. If the devil can't kill you or destroy you by getting you to do sinful things, he'll distract you and destroy you by, getting you, by trying to get you to do everything. You're doing everything in your own strength, trying to make it all happen. If he can't distract you from sex, drugs, and rock and roll, sins, he'll distract you with work, school, and getting ahead. 
And he'll drive you at this pace to try to wear you out. But what you need to do is pull away and sharpen the blade and go back to the work, being replenished and sharpened by God. God offers you that this morning. That's the kind of rest he offers you. So how do we step into that? Well, let me help you with that, okay? Take a note, write this down. Remember the Sabbath. Everybody say, remember. Remember. Everybody say like you mean it. Remember Remember. the the Sabbath. I think it's interesting. And when the Bible talks about the principle of the Sabbath, it says to remember it. Because out of all of the Ten Commandments that we find in Exodus chapter 20, this, I think, is the easiest one to forget. Because we look at it and we go, I think if I could throw one away, that's the one. Which I don't know why we're, that's where our mind goes anyways. But, you know, we, we kind of understand that, you know, that whole murder thing, we shouldn't do that. Amen, church? Amen, church? Okay. You guys are kind of scaring me now. You know, we understand we, we shouldn't commit adultery. We, we get that. We, we, but this is one where we tend to go, I don't, I don't think that applies today. Maybe for ancient times, but not so much today. But what I want you to see is this is not just a commandment in the Ten Commandments. This is a law that God established from the very beginning of creation. That he wants us to walk and operate under. Let me, let me read this to you. This is the fourth commandment God gives to the, to the Israelite people. Exodus 20 verse 8. He says, remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. So, so here's what the Sabbath means. The Sabbath means we live our life this way. Six days are for work and one day is for rest with God. That's what it really looks like. That we're going to have a day where we pull away and we rest physically and we rest with God. And, and we give that day to God. And, and, and I'll talk to you more about what that looked like. Now, when, when Jesus, or when God gave this to the Israelite people, he gave it to a group of people who were coming out of slavery the Israelite people had been slaves for 400 years. It's all they'd ever known. Generations have, have, have lived and died under, this, under, under a slave regime. So all they've ever known is a dogmatic pace of life where they don't get to determine what their day is going to look like. It's determined by an oppressor, by a slave driver. Their life has been driven. And they have no control over it. And so as they are coming out of Egyptian captivity and moving towards the promised land that God has for them, God gives them these ten laws to help them to understand how to govern their life. And this law is is God saying, hey, I want to help you. I want to restore to you a people who don't understand how to do this. I want to restore to you a healthy understanding of how to lead your life and how to lead your family. And when God gives them this this law, it's it's not to take anything from them. See, God gave the Sabbath, here's why, to enrich our lives. It's in your notes this morning. He wants to enrich your lives. Anytime God asks you to do something that goes counter-cultural to the world, understand God's not trying to take something from you. He wants to give you something far better. God God always gives you good things for anything he wants you to sacrifice for him or to lay down for him. And so when God's saying, hey, I want you to give me this day, he's saying, I'm going to bless you because you do this. See, here's kind of the equation. If we give God six days and we give him the one day, he'll bless the six so we can do more with the six than we could on our own with the seven. That's what he really wants to do. So 
are we willing to trust him with it? God wants to enrich our lives. And this is something that God established from the beginning. Remember when God created the heavens and the earth? How did he do it? He did it in a seven-day cycle. Six days he creates, and on the seventh day he rested. Now you understand, God didn't do that because he needed to. God didn't need six days to create the world. He's God. He could have created the whole world, everything we see, in a millisecond. And also, when God got done after the six days, it wasn't like he was going, Shoo, I am tired. I could use a break. I'm going to go take a day off now. Like, I don't know why I did that voice for God, but <laughs> God, didn't, God didn't need a break. He's God. He wasn't tired. What he was doing was what the Bible calls the law of first mention. This is the first mention of a work week in Scripture. And he was establishing for all time for people to understand what a work week should look like. There is a go mandate, a work mandate, and we work hard and we work well, but there is a rest mandate, and we rest well, and we rest with the Lord. And it's a chance for us to connect and and disconnect, and and for us to allow God to, to give us some physical rest, but it's more than just physical rest. God also wants you to rest spiritually. Look at this with me, Leviticus 23, talking about the Sabbath principle. It says this, You have six days each week for your ordinary work, but the seventh is a Sabbath day of complete rest. Now look at this, an official day for holy assembly. It's a day for holy assembly. It's a day to connect with God. It's the Lord's Sabbath day, and it must be observed by all who live. So if you're going to work this Sabbath principle in your life, if you're going to have a day where you're resting in the Lord, two things have to be at work. Number one, you have to break from work. Break from work, it's in your notes. And number two, you have to break for worship. You're breaking from work, and you're breaking for worship. And both of these need to be in place if you're going to Sabbath the way God has designed you to. It's a day of holy assembly. So let's look at these. The first part of it is we need to break from work. You need to have a day in your work week where you disconnect from work, completely disconnect. You, you turn off your emails. You turn off your Phone, you turn off stuff that has to do with the six-day work-week cycle that you work in, and you disconnect from that. You say, Pastor Josh, ain't going to happen. Can't do it. You don't understand the world that we live in today. I got people nipping at my heels that want my job. I got people that, are, that, that don't go by this same principle. I got a boss who's not going to understand this. Listen, listen, I know, I know it doesn't go with what the culture of the world says. But, but if you're wanting to base your walk of faith with God on what the culture of the world is doing... Let me just tell you, you're in for a rude awakening because the world is very messed up. I I read this week, 40% of vacation days in America are going to go unused this year. 40% of Americans will not use their vacation days. That will leave 300 million vacation days that go unused at the end of 2018. We, we live in a culture today where, uh, where people call it this. They call it the uh, work martyr complex. And, and it's, a, it's a busyness complex. And it's looked at like a, like a badge of honor. And, and what it says is this. Okay, you're, you go on vacation. That's fine for you. You go do that, but I'm not going to do that. I'm, I'm going to keep grinding. I'm going to keep working. I'm available 24 hours a day, seven days a week. I'm working. And while you're off vacation and doing that stuff with your family, I'm going to be back here grinding away. And when you get back, I'm going to be ahead of you. I'm going to have more sales than you. And I'm going to be further along down the path. And people look at that and they say, oh, that's, that's what it's all about right there. Meanwhile, families are falling apart. Marriages 
are at an all-time low. Kids are desperate for parents. And people are miserable. And chasing after drugs and sex and all this other stuff to try to find fulfillment because they are completely exhausted and worn out trying to fulfill this thing that they think they're supposed to do. This is not what God has called us to do. God has called us to something far greater. And this is a battle. I get it. I understand that you're going to have to walk by faith. But here's what I'm calling you to do today. Here's what I'm asking you to, to begin to examine and look at. Is God, the, is God the God of your work life? Is every area of your life surrendered to God, including your work life? This is a step of faith. It's a step of faith to say, God, I'm going to, I'm going to pull away. I'm going to disconnect and I'm going to trust you. I'm going to trust you with this. I'm going to do things your way. I see this. I see this is what you've established. I see this is how you've done it. So I'm going to trust you with it. And I'm going to believe as I do this, as I pull away, that you on that day are going to sharpen me and empower me so that when I go back into work, I'm going to do more with the six than I could do with the seven. Because listen, if you're worried about your boss, what your boss wants to see is production. And if you'll do it this way, what your boss is going to see is godly production in your life, which is better than your own manly production. We disconnect, and we, we take a break from our work. But it's not just a break from your work. It's also, there's, there's physical rest, but it's, it's not just that. You also need a break for worship. I, I wrote this in your notes. To rest physically, you take your mind off your work. But to rest spiritually, you have to set your mind on God. This is a day for you to set your mind on the things of God and to spend some extra time with him. The Bible says the Sabbath is an official day for holy assembly. That Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and he prayed, listen, I can, I can take a day off every week and rest physically, but I'm not really resting if I'm not setting my mind on the promises of God. When I make a point to make sure I'm setting my mind on the Lord and inviting him into my rest and inviting him in to empower me and setting my mind on what his word and, and the promises of God in scripture, that's when I empower myself to go back into the work fully rested in every part of my being, spirit, soul, and body so that I can produce the way God wants me to produce. So this time away is a time where we disconnect and we pray and we spend some time with the Lord and we worship him and we invite him in a special way into our life. So let me give you two ways to do this, two practical things that will help you to Sabbath, to, you, to do your Sabbath day. Number one is this, you got to disconnect. You got to disconnect. Everybody say disconnect. 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 You got to disconnect. I, here, here's what I'm talking about. I'm talking about turn off your phone, put your phone away. Don't answer those texts. Don't answer those work emails. Don't answer that stuff on this day. Uh, me, and, me and Sarah and our team here, most of us, our Sabbath day is Friday. And so on Friday, my team knows, and uh, like David and some of our other team, that's their Sabbath as well. And so we don't, we don't do work stuff. I don't answer emails and texts about the church on that day. I don't take phone calls about the church on that day unless it is an absolute emergency. You say, well, Pastor Josh, that seems like you're not really available that day. Yeah, that's exactly right. (laughs) I'm not available unless it's an emergency. Why? Because most of those issues can wait. And what this church needs is a rested pastor. It doesn't need a pastor who's worn out. I've seen what can happen with these pastors that just grind, 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 grind. They're the ones that have moral failures. They're the ones that get the finances of the church in a mess. They're the ones that get worn out and bail out of their calling. That's not going to be me. What you need is a rested pastor. And so I pull away and I disconnect. 
And so uh, uh, this, is, this is what it looks like for me. I, I don't answer that stuff. And let me also say this. You don't just need a day where you disconnect. I believe you need a time every day where you disconnect. Like, for example, when I wake up in the morning, I don't go to my phone right away. If I, if I go to my phone before quiet time and I start looking at emails and stuff like that, I don't have a good quiet time. My mind gets to thinking about work, and, and I can't come back to the Lord. I can't give God what he deserves. So in the morning, I don't do that until I've had my quiet time with the Lord. But then there's another time of day. I come home at 5 o'clock. I put my phone on the kitchen counter, and I don't touch it again until 8 o'clock. I try not to, especially during dinner. Because my kids, they don't need Pastor Josh. They need Dad. And they don't need Dad who's sitting there getting dings on his phone going, what did you say, buddy? I'm, no, no, no. They need, they need Dad to hear them and to talk to them and to love on them. Sarah needs a husband. That's what they need. And so we disconnect. It drives me crazy when I go to restaurants and I see families sitting down together and they're inches away from each other but miles apart. Why? Because their faces are all buried into these devices. The new pacifiers of the the day we got to disconnect you guys following me you got to put some boundaries in place in your life and say no to this you know there was a time in in america where it wasn't like this like you had a phone with a a cord that did had like curly you guys remember that and you you'd walk all over the house with it to where it got like stretched out and sarah knows what i'm talking about yeah these phones and and that's the only way people could get a hold of you. They couldn't email you all time of the day. You know? We had to disconnect. You had, you, you, your family needs this. You need this. You've got to disconnect. But here's the other thing. You've got to connect. You disconnect, but you also connect. You connect with God in a special way. And you connect with your family and, or with some of the relationships, uh, godly relationships around you in a special way. It's a day of holy assembly. It's a day Jesus would go to lonely places and he would pray. He would connect with God in a special way. So on my Sabbath, I have my quiet time, but there's also a time during the day where I pull away and I'm going to spend some alone time with the Lord. And so uh, me and Sarah, we did this yesterday. Uh, there's a time when I come to her and I say, hey, or I did this Friday. I come to her and I say, hey, I'm going to go have some time alone or do you want yours? And, and we just separate. And so, because we got little kids, like one of us has to stay there with the kids at summertime. Like we got to, can't just, it would not be good if we just let them run wild. So one of us stays there, watches the kids for 30, 45 minutes while the other one goes and has some alone time with the Lord. And then we, we swap it out, tag team back again. And then when the other person goes, and in that time, here's what we're doing. We're going and we're, we're, we're going to the Lord and we're saying, God, I, I need you. I want, I want you to replenish me right now. I just need you right now. I, I don't want anything from you other than to just be with you right now. I know that just being with you is, is everything I need for what's ahead of me in this upcoming week. Maybe you say, Pastor Josh, that's, that's all well and good, but I don't have a tag team partner. I'm a single mom. I don't, I don't have someone to turn to. I can't, I can't do this. Well, let me just say this. If that's you today and, you know, you'd maybe say, the only time I have alone is my time in the bathroom. And that's maybe five minutes tops before they're pounding on the door and fingers are coming out from underneath. You know what I'm talking about? You got little kids? Here, here's what you do. Look for the alone time throughout your day. Just look for that on that day. What I'm talking about, I'm not trying to be legalistic here. I'm not saying you have to spend all day, you know, laying on your face and crying. I'm not saying that. Maybe for you, what you can do is four, four minutes, five minutes with the Lord. Maybe that's all you have. See, God cares more about the quality than the quantity. He cares about your heart. And if you, if you go to God and you say, God, this is all I have to offer you, God says, I will take that and I will rejuvenate you with that four minutes and I will bless you for the upcoming week like you wouldn't believe. 
Just give God what you can if you find yourself there. Give him the best that you absolutely can. So we connect with God in a special way. Prayer, worship, connecting with the Lord. And then we also connect with our family in a special way. In our home, you probably heard us talk about this. We have Friday Family Fun Night every Friday night. It's on the calendar. Nothing interrupts that. It's a time for us to connect with our children in a special way. We're going we're gonna to go out to dinner together or we're going to make, make something special at home and maybe we'll go see a movie. Maybe we'll watch a movie at home. Maybe we'll play some board games. Maybe we'll go roller skating. We'll, we're going to do something where we take all the kids out and me and Sarah are trying to pour into them and just love on them and make them feel special and loved and cared about in our life. And we're together as a family. And I'm telling you, we do dance parties and we act crazy and we have fun and it's tiring and yet it rejuvenates me. This is my chance to kind of play that role of God the Father in a way in my kids' lives and show them the love of God for them and how he wants to have fun with them and be a part of their life. And I'm telling you, you you do that, God will minister to your kids and he'll minister to you through it. Don't get in such a fast pace that you're missing out on the things God's blessed you with and surrounded you with. And if you'll do this, I'm telling you, it'll, it'll minister to your kids. It'll minister to them for the whole week. It'll minister to you for the whole week. What I'm talking to you about this morning is this idea of margin. Margin. We need margin in our life. We need to have some space in our life. You know, I remember in, in school, in English comprehension, talking about margin. What is margin? Margin is, is the white space on the page, right? And, and margin, it does two things. Number one, it creates order. Like imagine a piece of paper and from the top left corner of the page to the bottom right corner, it's nothing but just letters just lined up. It's, it's words and everything, but it's so tight together. There's no margin between, between the words, between the sentences, between the kerning and the letting. And it's just all bunched together from top to bottom. You look at that page and you're going to go, what is this? Like it's chaotic, isn't it? And some of us, we have chaotic lives because we've created no margin for the Lord in our life. And when you, put, when you put margin in, it creates order. You can look at that page and it, it creates order. When you can look at it and it makes sense. God wants your life to make sense. He wants it to, to be ordered of the Lord. But the other thing that happens when you have margin is it creates space for the teacher to work with you. Remember in school? You write a paper, you do a test. Where did your teacher, if you needed a correction on a math problem or something, where did they write that? They wrote that in the margin, that white space. If they wanted to tell you, hey, good job, give you the grade, it went in the margin, that white space. And I'm telling you this morning, God loves you. And he wants to come and be a part of your life. And he wants to, he wants to in this day, he wants to come to you and he wants to minister to you. He wants to maybe correct you and show you some things you need to be working on. He wants to give you an attaboy sometimes and tell you, hey, I'm proud of you. You're doing such a good job. But because we've created no margin for the Lord, we've created no space for him to work with in our life, we don't get God. Because God doesn't go where he's not invited. He's a gentleman. And he's waiting for an invitation. And when you, when you take this day and you say, God, I'm going to rest in you. I'm going to walk by faith. I'm going to trust you in every area of my life, including my work life. And I'm going to give you this day. I'm inviting you in this day. When you invite God into that day, God shows up in that day. He ministers to you in that day. And he empowers you for that week. And so I, I want to encourage you this morning, church. See, here's, here's what the devil does. He wants to drive you, right? We talked about the gas pedal and the brake. Here's what the devil says. Put the, put the pedal to the metal. Put your foot on that gas pedal and just keep it on that gas pedal. And that's how you've got to live your life. Well, we all know if you get in a car and you just get on the gas pedal and you never take your foot off that gas, you are going to crash and you are going to burn. 
and die. Right? And what's the devil's goal? Steal, kill, and destroy you. One of the ways he wipes us out is he wears us out. So you have to decide, am I going to live by the culture of the world, by, by, by the slave master's model, or am I going to trust God with every aspect of my life and surrender this to God and trust him with it? I understand it's a walk by faith, but if you'll do it this way, you'll have endurance to run the race and to run it well. And to be able to look at your family and look at your life and really have true success, godly success. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes this morning? What is the Holy Spirit saying to you today in this message? Another way of putting it would be, what do you feel like God may be saying to you today? Or what are you thinking right now? What kind of thoughts are kind of going through your mind? I imagine that probably for a lot of you, Uh, Maybe you're thinking of some places in your area where maybe you haven't been doing a real good job of this. And if you are, listen, that's what this was all about. Because I want to help you. And, And understand this, God's not looking at you right now going, you idiot, you're so dumb. Why don't you do things right? No, 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 he's, here's what God's saying. Hey, I want to help you. And so let's, let's change this. Let's pick up from here and let's move ahead. That's all God's saying. So you may have not been doing this the right way. It's just time now to examine your life and talk with your spouse if you're married and, 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 and maybe spend some time with the Lord this week and really determine what this is going to look like for you going ahead because you want to run the race to win. You want to be successful. So Lord, I thank you right now that you are a God who speaks to us. And I pray, Lord, for every person under the sound of my voice that heard this message today. I pray that, that they would hear your voice this week as you begin to encourage them and show them and shape them into how to work this principle into their lives so that they can have the kind of marriages, the kind of relationships, the kind of school, the kind of work life. Lord, what you've called us to walk in, Lord, empower, strengthen us, speak to us, Lord, help us. We call on you. We repent if we haven't been doing this the right way. We repent. We say we're sorry. We ask you to forgive us and to help us moving forward. In Jesus' name, amen. If you're here today with every head bowed, every eye closed, if you don't mind keeping your heads bowed and eyes closed, if you're here today under the sound of my voice and you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life, I would love to pray with you this morning. Maybe you've never surrendered your life to Jesus Christ and said, God, I need you and I want to do things your way. Or maybe you're here this morning and you're Uh, Maybe at one time you did surrender your life to Jesus, but right now you feel like you and God are way, way far apart. You're not doing things like you should, and you want to get your life right with God. You want to leave today knowing that you're right with God. Right now you don't know if you're right with God. You're not exactly sure. Don't leave today that way. So if that's you, I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to do anything weird. I'm not going to call you down to the front. I just want to know so I can pray with you so that we can all pray with you this morning. We're going to do a little prayer together if you have that need. So if that's you today, every head bowed, every eye closed, here's what I want you to do. I just want you to slip up your hand when I count to three. Just slip your hand up, put it right back down. Ready? One, two, three. If that's you, you want to make Jesus the Lord of your life? All right, I see a hand going up. Any more hands going up? That's you today. You say, God, I want to I wanna be right with you. I want to know that my life is surrendered to you. I want to do things your way. If that's you, just lift up your hand and put it right back down. If that's you. All right, if you lifted your hand and, and, and said, I want to surrender my life to Jesus this morning, make him the Lord of my life, would you pray this prayer with me? And since we're all in agreement, let's all say this together. Say, dear Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross for my sins. I confess I'm a sinner. 
I ask you to forgive me. I commit my life to you. I believe you died on the cross for my sins. And you rose again. And so I surrender myself to you fully. Have your way in my life from this day forward. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, church. Let's give him a hand. I'm going to invite our altar ministry team to come down at this time. If you're here today and you have a prayer need in your life, you have a burden, you're dealing with something. I don't know what area of your life you may be dealing with something in. Maybe it's physically, maybe it's emotionally, maybe you're dealing with something in your finances, maybe you're dealing with, you need healing. You you got something going on in your life and you need prayer. We would love to pray with you this morning and just join our faith with yours and whatever it is that you're dealing with. If you have a burden, if you came this morning with a burden, Don't leave today with that burden. Throw those weights off. Cast those things to the side. Realize this, if it matters to you, it matters to God. Whether it's big, small, and everything in between. If it matters to you, it matters to God. So we're going to go back into a song here in just a moment. And as we do this, for those of you who have prayer needs, you can come down and pray with our altar ministry team. For the rest of you, this is not a time to disconnect. This is a time to respond. You've heard the word. You've heard what God has to say about your rest. This is an opportunity for you to worship him and thank him that his ways are better than the ways of this world. And to just magnify him for all that he does for you. So would you stand with me this morning, church? Lord, we love you. We thank you for your goodness. Thank you for who you are. I pray, Lord, that if there's anyone in this room that has a prayer need, Lord, that you would uh, give them the boldness, the faith to step out so they can receive all that you have for them and leave their burdens at the altar. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to this week's message from New Song Church. If you have a prayer need or would like more information about New Song, you can email info at newsongpeople.com. If you would like to partner with New Song through giving, Go to www.newsongpeople.com forward slash give. And if you want to stay connected to New Song, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter by searching for New Song People.